Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in the Orlando bubble on the NBA campus here at Walt Disney World. And joining me today is reporter extraordinaire, sideline ace, Allie LaForce of TNT, who's going to be locked in on the Western Conference Finals here in the bubble. Allie, first and foremost, how are you and how is bubble life treating you? Hi, Seku. That was way too nice of an introduction, but thank you so much. Bubble life is a once-in-a-lifetime historic experience <laughs> that I am trying to channel my inner positivity when <laughs> speaking about. No, it's okay. I think ever since, you know, COVID hit the world, you know, you've had to learn how to have stillness with yourself and how to manage going about every day, not working and trying to, you know, fill your mind in the right way and be at peace with your patience. And that's something that I had been working on before I got to the bubble. So the seven day quarantine was really relaxing and manageable. It went by pretty fast for me. Hmm. I think the hardest part is the lack of socializing with your friends and coworkers, which to me is half of the joy, if not more of the postseason run. And so I keep telling people it's a little bit like house arrest (laughs) (laughs) because we can't go to, you know, we can't go anywhere really because it's all players and coaches only. Um, So you kind of go like, 200 yards to the right and you get cut off and then you turn around and you go 200 yards to the left and you get cut off. So you just keep going back in a circle, <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, I love sports and this is so unique and I'm really proud of the NBA for being able to put this with no positive tests and right. they did it the best out of all of pro sports. So I'm honored to be a part of that. I agree 100% on all that. It's funny. You, you mentioned that what it's like, people keep asking me to describe it. I'm like, I don't have a really good frame of reference so I started thinking when I was in elementary school, I can't even remember what grade it was. We used to do these projects where you had to take a shoebox and make the little ecosystem or whatever it was. And um, and I was telling my wife, I said, that's what it's like. It's like this very precise manicured ecosystem. You go from your casita, which is your you know building that your room is in, to get a meal or you go to get on the bus to go to the gym. Then you come back. I mean, it's it's just a very regimented specific routine that you do every single day. So there's not a whole lot of variables in terms of, you know, when we're out and about, and I think this works for the players and everybody else involved, you don't have those outside distractions that might pop up in a regular day when there's no COVID and when there's no bubble and when everything is just a normal NBA 
postseason run. So that's kind of concentrated everything. It's boiled everything down. And I'm wondering for you having to do the work that you do every day, you know, hustling, digging up the information you need on these teams, has it made it tougher or maybe a little easier to do that job with the restrictions and with the way the system is set up here? I genuinely think it's helped the job tremendously. Um, there's less distractions personally. And since there's not a lot of things you can do, you kind of find yourself rewatching games and reading a lot. Despite the fact that there hasn't been a lot of sports on before these last couple of days, I've watched more sports than I ever have before. I mean, I've watched every second of every postseason game so far. And if I was at home running around, that wouldn't have been the case. It would have been a lot of rewatching highlights and reading and um, phone calls. But also, there isn't this massive rush of media where you feel like herded cattle trying to get one question and are trying to, you know, talk to a player for eight seconds. It's it's really wonderful to have a relaxed environment. Everyone's kind of just in their workout sweatpants and um, super comfortable and everybody's in the same boat in terms of what we're all going through. So I feel like the conversations with the players and the coaches have been really genuine and intimate and longer than normal. Um, so I feel like the quality of information I'm getting is better and I'm dedicating more time to the sport, which is great. Gotcha. We've been talking since last summer, basically about a Clippers Lakers Western Conference Finals. And then in the fourth quarters of the last two games of the Clippers Nuggets series, the Nuggets have decided they're not big fans of that notion that they should just get out the way and let the Clippers have their rightful place in the Western Conference Finals. What do you make of what we've seen from A, the Nuggets in this just unbelievable way they played, you know, down double digits in these last two games. And then of the Clippers, who don't seem like a team that's that's as confident in themselves in those moments as I thought they would be. That series has been super interesting to watch, and I am loving the whole vibe from the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I love that Jamal Murray said, you know, we think it's cute that you guys think we're we're just the Cinderella team. He's like, you've counted us out, and everyone said, Coach said the same thing. Michael Porter Jr. echoed the same thing. They clearly have a chip on their shoulder for people considering them the underdog. And I think people fall victim to that because they were down by such a large deficit, and then they were also down in the series. And they've been in so many Game 7s. I mean, three consecutive Game 7s in their recent postseason history is wild. And they see it as, no, we've been the two seed in the West, which we consider the toughest conference in the NBA for the greater part of the last two seasons. And we don't get the respect that we deserve. And it's a fair argument. What I like about the way they're playing basketball, it is such great team basketball. There's so many different options out of their offense that I love. I mean, obviously the Murray Joker ball screen is so hard to defend for any team. I consider the Clippers a great defensive team, and I think they did a good job on the ball screen. I think it was like the back screen action, the action down the baseline, the third and the fourth rotations that were a little bit late in game six. And I think they have to clean some of that up. But also they didn't score over 100. I mean, they have to figure some things out offensively too. And I I put that pressure on Kawhi too. He's a champion. I know that he's come a long way in his leadership role. And he puts on a show and an amazing stat line every night for sure. But that's where, you know, he, I hope he can continue to grow in his leadership, even with his new team and um, lead them offensively. Like we know he can. You get a chance throughout the course of an NBA season to, to be up close and, and see teams in a completely different light than most people. 
Have you noticed the evolution of some of these guys in the last couple of years, Kawhi and, and some of these different players you've come across? Do you notice the a significant growth just in how they operate as well as how they play, but just how they carry themselves and how, as you mentioned, that leadership component or when a guy goes from one situation to one that's maybe more high profile or more magnified. Do you notice that in players when you're traveling around doing your sideline work for TNT? Yeah, I do a lot. With Kawhi specifically, though, it's hard to see anything with him. I mean, he's so reserved and he's in such a business mindset, which I respect about him. But talking to Doc Rivers, he is blown away by how quickly he became vocal. And when he first got there, he wasn't very vocal. But then he, he would be on the court, just not off the court. And then midway through the season, when I got to cover the Clippers again, Doc said he won't stop talking in shoot-arounds. I mean, he's just, you know, yep, yep, yep. And it, that cracked me up because I just can't even picture it. You know, when you see him, you can barely get him to say hello, you know. Okay. And uh, I do think that he is more vocal than he shows the public. And I think that's great to see, especially because it's his first year in L.A. And then with the Lakers, gosh, when you play with LeBron James, there's a shock and awe factor. And then there's a follow the leader, mm. you know, type of behavior that you see. But I think for guys like a Caruso or a Kuzma, they've really come along and being more comfortable with him and around him and knowing what their role is. And I think role acceptance is something that Frank Vogel's really preached for the Lakers. And they've all bought into what their role has to be, not everyone wanting to be a star, not everybody fighting for, you know, being the third highest score on that team, but instead fighting for what it takes to win in a particular series. And we've seen them go small and, and mess around with their starting lineup. I mean, Dwight Howard, it was the first time in all season that he had a did, uh, do not play coach's decision, which had to be difficult. JaVale McGee had started every single game he had played this season mm-hmm. before two games ago when they decided to take him out of the starting lineup. He was like, whatever we need, because Houston posts such a unique small ball lineup if that's what it takes for us to be the most successful I'm good with that so I've seen growth um, definitely from the Lakers supporting cast and their comfortability you mentioned specifically in this Clippers Nuggets series in the ball screen action and the fact that Jamal Murray and Joker are when they're clicking they're as dangerous two-man you know game as you can have inside a game but they've gotten some really interesting contributions from Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. And I think Paul Millsap has really stood out for just the level of play when he kind of raises the temperature for that whole team. Is it as fun for you as it is for some of us to see a team like Denver? Because, you know, we don't normally get a chance to to eyeball that kind of team on the rise, but Denver is clearly a team that's going to be good for years to come if their guys stay healthy. And it's just been interesting to watch them grow into these moments as these playoffs have gone on. Gosh, there are so many reasons I love watching Denver play. They just continue to overcome adversity and it doesn't phase them. I mean, it was against um, the Utah Jazz. There was a game where they, you know, I think game seven against Utah, they shot just 25% 25% from three and 37% from the field, but they overcame it with defense or just like we saw in game six. I mean, they were down. What was their largest deficit? I think it was 19. Yeah. So they overcame a 19 point deficit. It didn't phase them. And now they forced the game seven. The way that coach Malone is so transparent in his passion and his love for his team. And he'll say we're exhausted, but that that's not an excuse, you know, where other teams are like, we're not tired to play off, you know, and it's like a lot of the right. same lines over and over. I feel like they're really transparent and honest. They're grinders. They play for each other. I thought Gary Harris's defense against Donovan Mitchell was some of his best work yeah. of the season. 
And then what really excites me is watching Jamal just become an absolute star. Having signed that five-year, $170 million contract was an awesome move for Denver, but it came with a lot of criticism from fans. And a lot of people hadn't believed that he was worth it yet and that he was the piece. And I think he proved to everybody this postseason already, no matter what happens, that he is worth it. That's a great point. And I forgot when he signed that deal, how much belly aching there was, you know, on social media and people saying, what, Jamal Murray, you know, the bubble to me has given everybody kind of a different appreciation for just how good some of these players are. And I was trying to explain to somebody, when we're in a normal environment, you know, you're at Staples Center or wherever, and there's 18, 20,000 people in the building, you kind of take for granted how big, athletic, graceful, dynamic these guys are on a basketball court. But in in Advent Health Arena or in HP Pavilion, when there's this scale back, you know, environment around the court, it magnifies to me, oh, that's right. These are the 0.1% of superstar athletes on planet Earth in terms of the physical abilities, the talent, the skill, the hard work they put into it. I've been feeling really good, kind of like refreshed or rejuvenated about how I look at these players, seeing them in this stripped down environment. I'm wondering if you had a similar sentiment, just watching them in this way. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do. Um, When you have no other options, but to be dedicated to your profession, (laughs) it poses a lot of challenges, but it's also a great luxury too. It's, It's something that Gosh, what's a great analogy? Something you're you're forced into that you don't want to do, but you know it's good for you, you know? And I think the biggest struggle for them has been mental, just being around the same people, same food, same restaurant, same hotel room, all that kind of thing. But when you look at it as, oh my gosh, when we leave here, it'll be, did we win a championship or not? That makes you want to just go to work. And I think that's, that's where they all are. Like, we've been here this long, let's win a championship or nothing. I mean, let's... And it's been great for them to take the proper time they need on their bodies too, outside of the games and practices with all the time in the world once the game ends to get real work done, to make sure you're at your most elite level physically. And they all desperately need that time on their bodies. But I think when you're, you know, you have an hour ride home in traffic and family waiting for you at home. And sometimes you might skip out on the little things just because you want to choose other things in your life that are either more important to you or, you know, that you feel like you need to get in and that's yeah. fair. But here there is none of that. <laughs> so watching LeBron, you know, you get there early, you know, the game and this is seventeenth year for LeBron. If he if LeBron James decided seventeen years in that he didn't want to do his same pregame shooting routine, who's gonna tell him, Well, you know what, LeBron, you gotta you gotta get out there and, and get your shots up. But he they do it almost uh, you know, like it's a reflex, like it's muscle memory, like you show up to the gym. It doesn't matter you're a four-time MVP, a three-time champion, going to be one of the greatest players to ever play. You go out, put the same grind in down here in, in this predicament as you would any other time. It's just It shows to me kind of a, an allegiance to their craft that we don't, at least as reporters, we don't get to always show that or explain that to people. And I feel like I'm seeing it so much down here now. I feel like I'm obligated to tell in whatever I'm writing, you know, that just about that piece of it, that there's so much work that goes into this and that constantly goes into this for these players. I totally agree. I think as an allegiance, I have a ton of respect for it, but it's also them trying to create some normalcy in a situation where there is no normal. I mean, it's, 
the weirdest feeling here to me is when the game ends and all the sound just <laughs> turns off in the entire yes. league. <laughs> the fake fan noise, the music, the DJ, it all turns off at one point and you're just sitting in a hollow arena. And it's, it happens pretty quickly after the game ends too. And you realize, Oh my gosh, we're not in a real situation. here. <laughs> right. Right. You know, when you have all the fake noise and the game's going on, you forget for a little bit that you're in a different space, but you're reminded quickly when the game ends. <laughs> I told somebody that after the Bucks got eliminated, when the Heat beat them, you know, normally if a team is advancing to the conference finals in their home arena, there's like confetti and, you know, the music's blaring, the fans are going crazy. And they did like a eighth grade soccer team inner squad handshake line and walked off. Like there was no cheering, no screaming. That just, I don't know if that, makes it weird for the players or not. We're going to see a conference finals and then a finals alley where somebody gets a Larry O'Brien trophy on that court. It'll be the first time I've ever seen him get it without the line, you know, the rope around the court to keep fans from, I mean, it's just going to be a very strange, I'm imagining it'll be a very strange and surreal environment when we get to the end of this thing. I have been cut off by that rope so many <laughs> times. I'm looking forward to not getting cut <laughs> off by that rope. <laughs> It's going to be so interesting. Well, look, I appreciate it, Ali. I know you were uh, hustling today. Uh, no games today, but right back to it Tuesday night here at the bubble. Um, game seven coming up between the Clippers and Nuggets, and then game one of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. Ali LaForce will be on the case, of course, for the Western Conference Finals for TNT, and I'll be here for NBA.com and NBA TV. And we appreciate you joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. I'll see you around campus, Ali. You do a great job, Seku. Thanks for having me on. See you soon. Thank you.